Welcome in, everyone, to episode 13 of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And now today, I actually have a guest host joining the show. His name is Joe Gentile, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell, tell you guys a little about himself. Joe, you want to go ahead and do that? Yeah. Um, Joe Gentile, I write for SB Nation's Fake Teams, and I mostly cover sleepers. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe Gentile FT. Perfect. And again, I was, uh, I'm glad to have you on today, buddy. Glad to be here. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, kind of last minute, we decided to get together and throw something together for everybody. So hope you guys enjoy it. Now today we're kind of, we're going to kind of just go over some, some news, some news and notes. That's uh, some of the, a lot of injuries going on lately. A lot of uh, just craziness to start the year. We're going to let Joe talk about some of his guys that he liked coming into the year. Still likes, obviously, because we're talking a week and a half, two weeks in the season. We're going to go ahead and start start off right away with uh, news and notes. Just a couple things that happened today, even. Seager, Corey Seager, of course, uh, he left the game earlier today after being hit by a pitch. It came back as left hamstring contusion. I don't think that's going to be something too serious. But with, with Seager, you just really never know. The guy, he's he's always hurt or out for one reason or another, so... So that's pretty. I think that's an easy one to cover. Now, the one I don't know if you've seen anything about Joe is the Billy Hamilton one. I, I heard. I know he got carted off the field after colliding with the wall or something. I haven't really seen much about it. I don't know if you have. I have not actually. Um, <laughs> that just happened today. Yeah, that that just happened. I'm not honestly. I don't know much about the details. I tried looking some up. I don't think there's much out there. I don't know if it was like concussion-like symptoms or if it was like a significant injury, but. That could be bad for some of your deep leaguer, some some of your deeper leagues out there and stuff. That if Hamilton goes down, there goes a lot of your speed, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you drafted Hamilton, you were looking. Uh, that was probably your source of steel, so that's really going to hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't even. Like I said, it literally happened today, so it's really hard to know the details, know what's going on. And is there anybody that comes to mind that would be somebody even available for steals right now? Because I mean. He was already, uh, kind of, yeah. He was already kind of a deep league guy. Um, if, <laughs> yeah, maybe, th- maybe if Terrence Gore got playing time, but I don't even know if he gets on base. Yeah, but I mean, some guys might be that desperate, man. I mean, maybe maybe Catal Marte is available in your leagues. You know, I mean, he's kind of a deeper league guy. He's being been he's been picked up pretty. He's been picked up pretty uh, pretty heavily though, because he had a pretty strong first week. But I'm just trying to think quick off the off off the cuff, really. I mean. Uh, if you were talking two guys that interest me as possible, they're, they're bench players right now, but possible power speed guys, you know, will probably at least give you 15 of each Dylan Moore and Pablo Reyes. Um, if they get the playing time, very interesting guys. I do like your Terrence score, uh, comment though. Cause just looking, just, I pulled him up real quick and he already has three stone bases on the year. So... <laughs> You would think he might be in line for that starting spot, and he wouldn't be much different than a Billy Hamilton. He doesn't seem like the type that really would be, you know, anything – pretty much offer nothing else but stolen bases. So, if you were already rostering Billy Hamilton and Billy Hamilton's out for any type of time, if Terrence Gore, if Terrence Gore does get that spot, then that's not a bad call. I like that one. Yeah, my favorite Terrence score stat is that he has 24 plate appearances, but he has 30 steals. He has more steals than plate appearances in the majors. Nice. That is a, that's an awesome stat. I had no <laughs> idea. That's that's awesome, man. Now, okay, so that covers that. The 
the Braves the Braves are doing a really good Rays impersonation this offseason, or at least now it's actually the regular season, that they, they signed Albies to a seven-year, $35 million deal with a club extension uh, with two options for 2026, sorry, and 2027. It's just it's, – I mean, I don't know what to think with these – with these long-term deals, man. Yeah, it's that was a steal for the Braves, no doubt. Um, <laughs> They're like, doing what the Braves do, or the Rays do. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, like Drew Pater, I think is making like two point five million. So Albie's his free agency is going to be making four million. That's, <laughs> just put it into perspective for people. Yeah, no, it's and it makes you wonder. I mean, but that's the thing. I think he's a better real-life player than fantasy player even too i mean depending on what type of format you play in albies and five by five kind of has that's where his most value is but like uh in general it just it seems like like you said it seems like a real steal how many of those years are arbitration i don't i don't know if you know that off the top of your head because i don't but how many years how many, how many years was it? like it's seven, a seven year deal so you have to think three or four of those are arbitration right yeah so last year was his first full season so six years so he got one year free free agency and then the two years of arbitration. Yeah. Yeah. So they, regardless, they, this is a, like a heck of a deal, man. Especially like you said, <laughs> Drew Butera, what a name, what a name drop. I'm like, I'm liking these name drops, man. These are, these are good. <laughs> as far as uh, fantasy relevance, it doesn't really change. Obviously there's no value change. No, uh, no real change at all when it comes to all these, as far as fantasy goes, but it's good to see him. You know, he's going to be probably a starter locked in there for a long term. So for maybe your dynasty, Type of maybe that's where his value. I don't know if that's even added value because you assumed there was no real threat to his playing time at all as it was. So we'll we'll move on from that. It's an easy one now. The one that uh, caught my eye today was Senzel still a couple weeks from playing games at any level. It sounds like so. Are were you a Senzel guy coming into the year? Or do you still think he's going to be solid? Like, what would you recommend? Because I mean, I've seen him dropped in some shallower leagues. I, I get some questions on Twitter about him. Not really. I wasn't big on Sinzel and still am not. The only team I have him on is the all-sleeper team that in the league me and you are in. But besides that, I wasn't that high on him. Honestly, this one is going to catch people by surprise probably. But honestly, I don't see his value being much than the guy I mentioned before in Dylan Moore. They both hadn't – if they had 600 plate appearances last season, they both were on pace for 19 home runs. Moore was actually on pace for – more steals, five more steals, and then Moore had a 299 average and Sinzel had a 310. So I think Sinzel, because he's that top 10 prospect, gets bumped up a little higher, and he's more of a safe floor guy than I think a ceiling guy, but I don't know too much on that. I don't have his um, exit velocities and all that, but from what I've seen, he seems more of a low floor guy high ceiling and he does have a little bit of a swing and miss too in his game in the minors like he had like a 10 or 11 percent swing strike rate I believe too so something to watch definitely and usually when guys come up their swing strike rates will typically go up they get a little more aggressive but they do add some pop to their game so there's give and take with the minor leaguers usually so definitely like you said I mean I don't I it's it's weird with Senzel. I feel like – I'm not sure. I think the industry as a whole is pretty high on him. I think it's because of the power-speed combo that he offers for fantasy purposes. I, I don't know. Like I, said, I actually have no shares, and I'm in quite a few leagues. So, I, I don't if, – if someone dropped him, I think I would add him in a, specu- in a speculative capacity. But 
if you if you're a true believer in him, maybe try to go buy a low. Maybe there's an owner out there that can use something and maybe go buy a low. Or if he's on your waiver wire, I think I think you could do worse because some of the way, some of these I'm in waiver wires are pretty bare. So that's why it's hard for me to judge some of these guys. So some of these guys are being dropped in shallow leagues, and I don't really play in those. So I was trying to get some maybe I don't know if you play in any shallow leagues really. No, all my <laughs> leagues are 15. Uh, uh, yeah, and for me, my 12 teamers are usually deeper rosters. You know, the five outfield, middle field, corner field type of thing. So I still have something on the waiver wire, but I, I never see a Senzel drop. That's for sure. Yeah, Senzel in 12 or higher should be stashed. Yeah, 10 team. I I think. It, I mean, it depends on who's on your waiver wire, basically. I've never seen it. Like, I, I you got to think, for instance, Domingo Santana, he's owned in 80% of Yahoo leagues. That Last I looked, that was probably uh, the other day. Last I looked, he's only 80% of the Yahoo League. Yahoo League. So, you got to you gotta assume that those 20% are the 10-team leagues and less. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, if Domingo Santana is on your wire and you have a Senzel, if a, Peter, if a Pete Alonzo, another guy who wasn't owned universally yet, if he's on your waiver wire and you have Senzel, that's the type of swap you got to make in these shallow leagues for sure. Yeah, that, that's a definite yes. If those type <laughs> of guys are on your wire, then yes, those, those guys would definitely need to be picked up right now. And I, and I just don't understand why, what people are waiting for. Because, again, these guys, those are guys that should be universally owned. I know we're getting a little off topic, but those guys should be universally owned, among others, and they're just not yet, which blows my mind. I don't know what type of leagues these guys are in. I don't but, know. Probably just some <laughs> AFK managers or something. Probably. So, another one that could be concerning was uh, Castellanos was scratched from the Tigers lineup today. Castellanos was scratched on the Tigers lineup today with a right toe injury, and the last I saw was a sprained right toe. I was initially concerned, thinking it was going to be like an Upton deal or it was like a turf toe. doesn't sound like it's that significant, but it sounds like he's been trying to play through it, and it's gotten worse. So, I mean, obviously it's a wait-and-see approach. You don't go dropping him or anything anytime soon, but definitely concerning for a guy who – wait, you were drafting him, what, the, between seventh and ninth round maybe? Kind of. Yeah, a, he, was going, he was going top 100, I think. So. Exactly. So it's definitely something worth monitoring, but I can't really suggest anything or any anything else about that one. Now, I touched on Clevenger solo real briefly the other day before some of these details came out, but it looks like Clevenger's out. We're talking no baseball activity for six to eight weeks. So we're, if we're talking no baseball activity, we're, let's either tackle on another month for rehab at least for a pitcher, even maybe six weeks depending on if there's setbacks and whatnot. Uh, is he worth stashing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Clevenger, when healthy, is going to be a top 20, top 30 pitcher. So I don't think there's really any question stashing him. I mean, unless if you your rotation is just so good and maybe there's – I would I would maybe like in a 10-team league or something, I might drop him for like a Caleb Smith if he's on the waiver wire and I don't have anyone else to drop. But you likely have someone you can drop on your team that's worse than Clevenger. I think Clevenger is definitely worthy of a stash because I think we're going to get him back for the second half and he'll be lights. He'll just pick up where he left off, hopefully, because he was looking absolutely nasty to start the year. And if he just picks up where he left off and gives you at least that second half, a solid second half, then we could be looking at somebody who can help you really push for those during the playoff times. And it would take some. It would take a ten-team league with no DL slots for me to drop him. So that's just to give you an idea of how much, like how shallow of a league you'd have to be in for me to have to drop him. So I would definitely recommend stashing him. If you have a team right now that's really healthy, you could even maybe try to go buy low. And I, it sounds like you know insensitive, but this is this is what we do. We have, we almost have to take advantage of stuff like this. 
injuries are part of the game. You never want to see them, but if you're a savvy owner, you might want to go after somebody like this and try to buy low on them. Yeah, definitely. I did that with uh, J.D. Martinez two years ago, and that really paid off for me. And people – and I, I just – I like to make sure – I put the caveat in there. We're not insensitive. We don't want these guys to get hurt in the first place. But with that being said, you got to take advantage of it, and that's the type of stuff you got to do to win your league sometimes. So, speaking of injury, we have Kershaw coming back from injury. His, de- his debut, I guess, was initially supposed to be Sunday. It's now going to be Monday. At the end of the day, what are your expectations for Kershaw? Like, do you think a little bit of a bounce back, a slight decline, because he's kind of been on a steady decline the last couple seasons, a little bit yeah. in between? Yeah, he's going to be on a decline. Still going to be a good pitcher. I don't think anyone's really going to argue that he's not going to be good. But I think the question is how good. We are probably not going to see him as dominant as he has been in years past. But, like, last season, his contact rate went up 6%. Um, start striking out guys less. I mean, as I say, he's going to be good, but maybe he's not going to be the best pitcher. He might not even be top five, but maybe I could still see, like, you know, top 10, top 20, but I'm not expecting, like, a whole lot um, from Kershaw. Since 2017, his carry rate went down from two, uh, 10.39 to 8.65 last year. His walk, his walk rate, slightly a tick up, like, literally negligible. But his FIP and XFIP and his ERA were all were all up. I mean, we went, he went from a 2.31 in 2017 in ERA to 2.73. FIP and XFIP were both 3.19. And those are both higher than the previous year's FIP and XFIP. So it shows that it's going to be a slight, like you said, it's, I think it's going to be just a steady decline. I wouldn't be surprised if next year when we go into drafts, he's going to be treated like a mad bum. You know what I mean? How a mad bum was falling and he fell outside the top 100 in some, league, in some leagues this year. I think Kershaw might be trending that direction. The thing I think this points out, though, is how much value some of those guys got on Kershaw in the draft when he started. Because I think in the TGFBI League One, the Champions League, I think he went outside the top 100. So that whoever got him might just have gotten like a lot of value with their 100 and like 10th pick. Well, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, even in our um, in our in our league that we did together, it was a similar layout as far as like uh, league size and all that. I got Kershaw like 99th overall and a team and a team like mine, like right now, I think I'm in first place actually, which again, standings mean nothing, especially in Roto leagues after two, after two weeks, but a a team like mine that is doing well, just is gaining, just gaining a Kershaw. It's, that's a pretty big deal. So anybody, like you said, maybe somebody who's off to a hot, hot start, they're just now getting him back. Even if he's not Kershaw of old, even if he is maybe more of an SP2, maybe more of a Tyone range type of pitcher this year, that's still a huge boost to any team who's who's struggling right now. And pitching as a whole has been kind of rough. I don't know about you for you, but for me this year. So I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily be upset about having uh, gaining a Kershaw right now. But I think you should still temper expectations. I think we're on the same page with that one. Yeah, pitching with me has been pretty good, except for uh, Nathan Evaldi. Um, that one's been killing me. You and me both, and yet I'm still going to start him. Was it today or tomorrow against Toronto or something like that? I, I'm start. Yeah, I sat him last start, but I'm going to start him this start. Hopefully, he turns it around. That, that I think the Red Sox as a whole, and uh, the Red Sox as a whole right now, this kind of brings us up into our next our next segment. I mean, new, that's pretty much the news and notes. This is one of those early season standouts. We're going to talk about a little bit of those. And the Red Sox as a whole, man, the pitching staff, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, Sale's just not Sale. 
He's his velocity's down. He's throwing more junk balls. I hear it's by design. I hear it's not by design. I don't know what to think about Sale right now. Yeah, I uh, I've been watching. I don't know why I keep doing it to myself, but I've been watching like every Red Sox game or like half of them this season. Most games I watch have been Red Sox. I'll put it that way. And their pitchers just don't like watching them. I'm getting concerned. Um, Sale and Erod's velocity's down. Um, Eovaldi, Eovaldi in his first start was throwing everything in the zone and he was just getting a hit. I don't know. Like literally, I felt like every single pitch he threw was just like right in the zone for the hitters. And then a second start, he had no control, no command. And how I don't know what to think of this right now. I am a little worried. Now I'm not going to drop any of those guys right now, but I'm I'm sitting Erod uh, this week. Um, Sale. Sale, I'm not like – I'm worried, but I should preference that with I still think he's going to be good like Kershaw. It's just Kershaw and Sale have been so elite over the past couple of years that when I say they're going to decline, they'll still be good. It's just concerning that he's throw, he was throwing 89, I think. So I, th- I think it's by – I don't know if it's by design or if he's just not – there's been – it's weird, man. I think there's a report that said something like he doesn't even know what's going on right now. But you got to think the Red Sox aren't that negligent when it comes to, like, doing their – doing, like, you know, all their all their medical background and stuff on these guys because they just paid the man a pretty hefty extension. And they just paid Ivaldi a pretty hefty, you know, contract. I'm just – you got to think the Red Sox know more than we do and maybe it's just early season, early season struggles. But see, now, okay, say you have an Eovaldi or an Erod, which you said you don't want to drop, but you have a Caleb Smith or one of those Marlins guys that are really exciting or or, or, or Corbin Burns or, or Dakota Hudson. or something. Well, Hudson's a little lackluster now, but Corbin Burns, somebody like that, like one of these hotter big-name guys coming up. You don't, you don't think you'd make that swap right now? Not yet? Caleb Smith. Okay, Caleb Smith and Corbin Burns <laughs> probably, but um, – because that's kind of like I, – I haven't looked at ownership percentage, but I feel like they're at this point probably pretty similar. And Ibaldi and Erod might even still be above them because of the name. That's what I'm getting at. I'd probably drop Erod before Ibaldi, but I was really big on Ibaldi this year. And Ibaldi's velocity is not down, though. Erod's is. Um, and Ibaldi had a top five aces score, so I'm still very intrigued. And what and, – He's never been a strikeout guy, really, but watching him pitch, he seems like he should uh, get more strikeouts with the um, triple-digit fastball high in the zone and the breaking stuff down. It looks like he should be fooling hitters more than he is. I'm with you. I mean, I, I actually – and, again, we this we actually – we've never, you know, drafted together, really. We haven't done much prep work or even talked off in baseball before this year. But – and that's and that goes with and that goes with the fact that I was on Eovaldi with you. I have him on quite a few teams, so a couple of dynasty startups. I was getting him with solid, pretty much the same uh, value as redraft. And I felt like that was a really good value redraft. I liked his value as well, and I'm kind of like really just frustrated. Like I don't understand it either. His, his stuff. I mean, again, it's still early, and we're on the same page about that. But you can't help but be concerned. And if you don't react, sometimes you don't want to overreact, but at the same time, but at the same time, if you don't react fast enough, you miss out on some of these good guys off the waiver wire. So it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird game you got to play. And yeah. And I will say with sale, I would pulled up his fan graphs page. His contact rate is 77.7, 7, 
which is close to his 2016 contact rate when he had a uh, uh, 25.7% K rate. So that 13.1% K rate, probably not going to stick around. I'm, he'll, be, he'll have an above average K rate, even if the velocity stays down, because with the velocity down, he's still very deceptive with his uh, delivery. And like, let me throw out Joey Lucchese. Like Joey Lucchese, I think, throws like low, like low, low 90s with his fastball, but he gets a strikeout because his delivery is so deceptive. Um, and he doesn't need the speed. Sale needs the speed to be elite, but he can still be good if there's a little loss in velocity. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm with you on that one now because it's fantasy and people are already you know people are panicking. You probably see all over Twitter because I know I have I've put out a poll about it. <laughs> I mean, I've done all that good stuff just trying to gauge his value. But if you're the sale owner. I would obviously recommend holding on to him because things are better things are ahead, but not everybody's so patient. People are trading him left and right. He's probably one of the most traded people you got to think or close to it. Is there like, if you're trying to buy low on him, where would you like, what would you offer? Like, do you have an idea of a name? Maybe like a, would you try? Uh, Clevenger was the type of name I was thinking of before the injury, but I don't know how, what would be the most to be willing to give for him trying to buy low on him? Right. I mean, if I own him, I wouldn't be selling him because I don't think you're getting anywhere what you deserve. Uh, I agree there. But obviously, there's people that aren't as patient as us. And I'm trying to think of like, because I, I put out, I think the poll I put out was, uh, Patrick, it, you know what, go go to your sale owner, maybe in your league that isn't as full of sharp, because I mean, most of my leagues are full of sharp guys. They're, they're not trading sale for, for 50 cents on the dollar. But I, I put out in one of my lesser leagues, I didn't realize it was my buddy of mine, so he got really upset. But I, I offered him uh, Patrick Corbin for sale. I don't think that's a fair offer, but I think I thought as far as a buy low offer goes, NFBC ADP had him like a top 15 pitcher, starting pitcher coming into the year. Sale right now is probably closer to the 10th best pitcher. If you're, if you're doing reject right now, he'd be going closer to the 10th overall starting pitcher than third. And, and Patrick Corbin's kind of just been sustaining that top 15-ish pitcher. So I floated that offer out to him. And, of course, again, I didn't realize it was my buddy at the time, so he got really upset with me. But I thought something like that, 40%, it was almost, I think, 38% of, uh, of the votes I got on Twitter, which was close to, like, 200 votes, said that was a fair offer. So you could see that's kind of a – I'm gauging. I'm trying to gauge the market for sale right now. Yeah, uh, Corbin. I like the Corbin name drop. That's around that range, I guess. Um, I'm also not a big fan of Corbin because last season he had a 34.4% zone rate and his I think he had a below average yeah he had a six percent walk rate so with that zone rate usually you're not going to be able to uh maintain that walk rate so I do see Corbin not struggling but I he's going to regress a little bit but he's still got the swing and miss in there so he'll still be a high strikeout guy but sale I had sale as the number one pitcher coming into the year um did you wow that's that's bold yeah um he was my number three I was pretty consensus on him yeah, I when healthy, I think he's the best pitcher in baseball. But that's when he's healthy. Um, and the concern with him, I think, was more towards uh, his health and his innings than his actual output. But yeah, uh, yeah I I wouldn't be giving up on sale yet. I want to see more with all these Red Sox guys. I really I want to I want to see more. I want to 
get through the first month. I'm trying not to overreact, um, especially at Uvalde. I'm slamming my head against the wall every time I watch him pitch. But um, Sale, 77.7% striker rate, as I said, last time he had a strike or contact rate. Last time he had a contact rate like that, he had a 25% strikeout rate. And pitchers with that contact rate usually are around 21, 22%. So he's still going to get soft contact. I mean, I'm not worried. I guess we'll stick with Boston because I guess another kind of a interesting thing going on is their closer situation. Burns got like the first two Barnes, Burns, Burns, right? Why am I thinking? Why am I missing the name here? Yeah, Barnes, Barnes. Barnes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm stuck on uh, on Corbin Burns, Burns and, and and Matt Barnes. So I'm like all over the place. Anyways, Barnes, he got the first save, maybe even the first two, or at least I know he got the first one. And then Brazier, Brazier, however you say his name. <laughs> Brazier, he came in and now he's gotten the last. He's gotten the last two saves, and they brought in Barnes to actually pitch a multi-inning relief appearance recently. I'm just wondering if that. I guess is it more of a matchups thing, or is is Burns is Bar- Burns? Damn it, is Barnes the more of like the fireman role and Brazier getting the saves now? Like you think you, if you had to pick, pick a closer, you'd say probably him, right? Uh, who Brazier? Brazier, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I guess. I think it's going to – I this is going to be a, a, probably like a – fantasy owners aren't going to like this situation. Uh, it's going to be terrible. I think it's kind of going to be like a committee in a way. And, uh, like, it would have just been so much nicer had they just signed Kimbrell. Just made this whole situation a lot easier. I think the Braves are going to end up getting Kimbrell at this point with all these cheap contracts that they just they just made, you know what I mean? Like they're just they're putting themselves in a position to really go out there and make a one or two year splash, like overpay Kimbrell for a year or two because they can afford to now. Well, well I, I just see. heard Keith screaming in joy. <laughs> oh yeah, he'll like to hear that one, huh? So that's obviously that's enough Red Sox talk. We're not a Red Sox podcast, but it's a lot of just intriguing stuff going on. Uh, that whole division right now, you have the Yankees beat up. You have like well, they have Stanton, Severino, uh, uh, what's his face, uh, center fielder, for who? For the Yankees. The, oh, Aaron Hicks, one of my buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I own Aaron yeah. Hicks everywhere. Yeah, he's. I have him in draft and holds. Go figure. So I'm really hurting for outfielder there because I have him and Gregory Polanco. Gregory Polanco. Gregory Polanco was one of my guys. He'll be coming back soon. So, but. I don't know, man. That that division's up for up for grabs, and the Rays look absolutely amazing. I I don't know if it's if I'm drinking the Kool Aid or what, man. But if they won that division, I would not be surprised. They have the pitching to do it. The offense can be a little lackluster, but that pitching can really carry them if Glassnell and all of them continue to hit on all cylinders. That Rays uh, offense, I think, is underrated. I think the Rays and the A's have two of the most underrated offenses in baseball. I do like the A's. I'm a, big, um, I'm a big fan of the A's. I don't think Willie Adamas is as good as people expect, but Yandy Diaz. Um, oh man, he's a, even, he's a he's a podcast favorite. Uh, one of our, our one of our usual co-hosts, George. Uh, he's been touting him since the offseason. I know you're big on him too, so I'm, I'm gonna let you give you your I'm gonna let you give your opinion on him and all that. Because I know you're on Meadows as well, but he's a Yandy and Meadows are a podcast are a couple podcast darlings of ours. So. I'm sure you're going to fit right in with that. I'll let you give your thoughts on these guys, so go ahead. Yeah, uh, Yandi, um, we haven't seen – and I was listening to one of the games, one of the pod, or broadcasts, 
And he was talking about Yandy Diaz. He was, I think he was a front office guy. And it doesn't sound like he's made a swing change or anything. So don't expect him to like hit more fly balls and ground balls from what I hear. Um, but even if he sustained or mildly improved that ground, yeah, like or ground ball rate, fly ball rate, um, if he hits more fly balls, then he still should have more home runs than he's hit. Those exit velocities are so beautiful. And even if he hits double the amount of ground balls and fly balls, I still think he's like a 15 home run guy. Um, and he's, he's done a great job this season and his fly ball rate is up. So it's something to watch 48 plate appearances though. I don't like the small sample sizes. I'm not trying to overreact. So it's something I'm going to watch, but something I'm not, fully committed to yet but yeah. Yandy Diaz should be should be owned in your league that's without oh. a doubt yeah you're you're just preaching to the choir man like I said we are huge it, it almost feels like we're a, a raise podcast raising Mets we've been all over and touting since preseason and now that the season's gotten going these guys have gotten these teams have gotten off to like extraordinarily hot starts and certain players and such so you just preaching the Yandy Diaz uh, love or preaching the go get them and you know adding to the love of it just fits in with us perfectly around here uh but wasn't meadows one of your sleepers that you were that you were big on coming into the year too oh was i i said <laughs> at the beginning of the season i said he was going to be a top 50 fantasy player um man he looks good and i put up a poll right before the season and i took two players peripherals player a being austin meadows Player B being Andrew Benetetti was like their sprint speeds, their contact rates, their hard contact rates, and all that. And I said, who would who would you rather have? Let's just see. Ninety percent of those people said they would rather have Meadows than Benintendi based off the peripherals. So this guy, he's basically like Benintendi. Like that would be my comp for him. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a good the, comp. The power, ooh, the power is for real. And when he came over to the Rays, he hit like 10 home runs and like 100 play appearances in the minors with the Rays. And his hard contract rate last season was 39%, which when you're getting close to that 40%, that's pretty impressive. Um, has good – hits the ball in the air a lot. Line drive rate's good. His contact rate, fantastic. And something that might surprise people because he hasn't really been a – like walk guy like he hasn't drawn many walks in the minors but his plate discipline's above average um 27.5 percent o swing percentage so definitely uh someone to watch seems like he's safe basically in all accounts he has he's like above average in all his skills so um so he just seems like what it sounds like is he makes like he has a good batter's eye but instead of taking walks he just puts more contact and um, gets more contact on the ball and puts more balls in play correct Kind of like a Jorge, uh, Georgia, uh, Jorge, uh, whatever. His, uh, sorry, like a Jorge, Jorge Polanco. Blanco. is very much the same way. I looked into him. He was one of my sleepers coming into the year. And, and I loved it. I, I loved it. I was like, wait, for all these like great metrics going in his favor, he never walks. Like he has like a 6% walk rate or something, I believe, as far as like his last year's walk rate. Come off the top of my head. It's been a while. Still look at his stuff. And uh, he was just one of those guys that his metrics coming into the year, when I look at last year's metrics, it was like, wow, the guy who has a solid batting eye just doesn't walk. But he makes a lot of contact and he hits for a high average. It is what it is. Some guys just – that is a skill some guys have. And I think 
Plonko is one of those guys. So it's, it's my, I guess my point is like, it's, it's something that it is, it is a skill. It's not just like him getting lucky. It's not bad, babe. It's, it can be a skill for some of these guys. Yeah. And two guys that come to mind when I think of those guys with really good plate discipline that didn't draw many walks early in their career are Jose Ramirez and Mookie Betts. And the reason is mostly that they weren't as feared as they were now, obviously. So they got a lot more balls in the zone. And then as they start to hit, hit well and they start to become top players in the game, those zone rate will go down, which will increase their walk rate. Um, and that's why we saw Jose Ramirez and Mookie Betts all of a sudden start walking like at a 15% walk rate. Um, because they've always, they've always had to play discipline. It's just they became more feared as hitters, so they saw less balls in the zone, which in turn helped them walk more. And that's probably what's going to happen in Meadows. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I love that Ben Attendee comp. I mean, the power-speed combo. And he actually has – I think he has more power than Meadows. And this, I think Ben Attendee – I'm trying to remember his sprint speed. I'd have to look that up real quick. I remember it being, what, slightly above average? Nothing, like, spectacular. He was just a good base dealer as far as Ben Attendee goes. But, uh, yeah, there's – I know – I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I do know their sprint speed was, like, point one difference. <laughs> yeah, the, and that just goes to show you that it's not always about speed. Again, that's another – like Jose Ramirez isn't the fastest, uh, doesn't have the fastest sprint speed, but the guy steals 20 plus bags a year because he's just a good base dealer. Not everything can be measured. It's sometimes players just are good at something because, like Yelich, I don't think Yelich is one of those, like he's one of those guys that doesn't scream speed to me, but he's very selective and just takes what's given to him. Yeah, it, so. it definitely depends on like what team you're playing on, where That's you're batting in the order, who you have behind you, like the Astros. Like Altuve might never steal 30 bases again just because uh, he's yeah. got a super good lineup behind him. Yeah. So there's no reason to him running out. He actually had – I was surprised because that's one of those things I have been looking at. And I, I know I noticed at least on two occasions he got caught stealing already this year. So they're, they're actually letting him run, which is surprising. But not maybe, again, those 30, steal, those 30 steal days are probably over. But Yeah, I can still see him stealing 20 or 25, but – 30 might be pushing it with him. And I was wrong about Yelich. His, uh, his sprint speed's pretty – it's a lot. It's better than I expected. It's, I'm looking at it real quick. I just pulled up on Baseball Savant. I was just curious because he just doesn't seem like a fast person. He just seems – I don't know. <laughs> That's what came to mind. But regardless, we're, we're off – I'm a little off tangent. Obviously, <laughs> Meadows – we're going to circle back to Meadows. He's obviously – I think he's in for a big year. I think you were right to call him top 50. I mean, it's obviously still early. Again, sample sizes are small, but, man, he's looked great. And they keep batting him top two in that lineup. That was a big surprise. I expected seventh. Like, I think Roster Resource had him uh, projected as a seventh, like a seventh hole hitter coming into the year. So, And he wasn't even, and he wasn't even guaranteed to be a, uh, up with the big club. They, they thought there was a chance that he was going to be starting off in the minors for that, you know, extra year of control or whatever. There was, like, I heard talks of that coming into the year. So he's been a huge, huge uh, value. I have him in a good amount of leagues too, just because I liked him last year, but I wasn't as into him as Jude. I mean, that's great. If all that, if this holds up, you're going to be right on point and people are going to be following you a lot more next year. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, I always say skills beat playing time concerns usually. Like he didn't, I don't think for me, he didn't have that many playing time concerns, but for instance, uh, Daniel Volgerbach, I loved him coming into the season and uh, I I thought he was either the best or second best hitter, and I still do, behind maybe Mitch Henniger. That's the only guy that I think could be a better hitter than him in that lineup. And 
Like, oh, sorry. He, he was blocked with Jay Bruce and Edwin and Carcione, but his bat's better than Edwin's, and he should be full-time DH. And, um, they need to trade Edwin or Jay Bruce. They need to figure out what to do with that lineup. Bruce shouldn't be there. I agree. Edwin is better than Bruce. At least I think so, but then I think Bogelbach's better than both. But yeah, that I, 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 there. I, I will argue to my I just I have I have this 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 infatuation with Domingo Santana, man. I'm gonna argue Domingo over Vogelbach for fantasy purposes more than for more fantasy than for fantasy purposes, yes. But as a because he steals um, a few bases and he's but a lot of it go. I have I have some notes on him. I'm looking for him right now. Actually, I'm, you're you're good. Sorry, I should have prefaced that with with real offensive output for fantasy. Santana is a little bit better because he has the steals and Vogelbach. I cannot see Vogelbach running if. If Vogelbach becomes a 10-steal guy, I will be so happy. My face will light up. I want to see all of that. Man, he's just he looks like this big, beefy, like, line, linebacker just running the bases, man. He's just big, like, like give me bat, I smash. Like, <laughs> like he's just a big dude, man. He's, he's huge. He's just, I don't know. But, as far, but I don't know. Even, I mean, I'm just looking at some of Domingo Santana's, and this isn't updated as the last couple games, but the guy – he has when I last I looked, he had like a fourteen percent walk rate. His K rate is about normal for normal for him, about twenty five percent. But a lot of his like underlying factors seem like they're really in his favor. His O swing is only twenty one point four or was. His Z contact is, uh, was eighty four percent. His swing his swinging strike percentage was eight point eight percent at the time, and his and his hard hit rate again. This was a few days ago when I brought him up in a previous podcast. Forty five point two percent hard hit rate. These are and he has a career walk rate of a career walk rate of eleven percent. So the guy has legitimately good batting eye. The twenty seventeen breakout, I don't think, was I think he could regress and be closer to twenty seventeen than he was last year. Last year was a lot of playing time concerns, a lot of he had to fight to get a spot here and there. So a lot of his stuff dipped. I think he tried a little harder than he had to type of thing to try to put up stats in his few games that he could show try to earn a spot. But this year, there's no pressure on him, and I'm really liking what I'm seeing. And I think it's legitimately sustainable because a lot of it's matching up to his 2017 year. Yes, and you know, um, I would agree with you there. Um, he, this is a guy when we were talking about small sample sizes and not overreacting. This is one of the guys I kind of thought of. Him and Yandy Diaz are like two of the main guys I think <laughs> of because Santana's contact rate, 81%, so much like that's 12% higher than his career average. His, he's hitting the same amount of fly balls as ground balls. He strikeout rate 22 point or 22.4%. Oh, it's gotten better. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I don't think those are peripherals and those are predictive of what he could do, but I don't think he's going to be that. If he's that, then he might be a top 10 uh, fantasy player. If he does that with his, um, because his exit velocities have always been fantastic, mm-hmm. um, but someone I want to keep an eye on uh, to see how he does, to see if he actually has made improvement with his contact rate, see if he has improved his fly ball rate. I don't think it's going to stick at the level it's at, but it's something that I'm definitely paying attention to. What's his? I mean, obviously, again, I mean, it's just. Pro, again, uh, growth isn't linear. You hear prospect growth isn't linear. I mean, again, these are. I'm just very optimistic with them. That doesn't mean I'm not above selling them high if I can. But what he's producing right now, it's gonna be hard to get 
that type of value and return in a sell high right now anyway. But just I'm guessing you have the stats pulled up in front of you? Yeah. What's this triple slash right now? Uh, triple slash, 345 at batting average, 424 on base, and a 603 slugging. That's that not comes- gonna- that's not going to sustain. I'm aware of that. But that comes it, with a 410 bat bit. Now, if you look at 2017, you'll see his triple slash was 278, 371, 505. What's his, what was his bat bit that year? 363. His career average is 363. And he hits a ton of line drives. He hits like a Freddie mm-hmm. Freeman amount of line drives. Um, a lot, a so lot of opposite field, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, that is true. And he... Uh, I'm just saying that this can be somewhat sustainable. I won't say obviously what he's out up to right now. If he does this, he's going to be MVP. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, even if we regress him slightly below 2017, you're still looking at a top 50 player that you got initially before the trade. Because I haven't, I, I draft, I'm, I'm a degenerate. I drafted in November of last year, and I got him at like pick 400 or five, like ridiculous 350 or something ridiculous late in a drafting hole. What the? Well, this was before the trade. This was when he was on the Brewers. He was going really. I know he was. This was fan tracks, and they had him buried. And I was like, "I'll take a flyer." (laughs) I forgot about him until he came up on on the screen. And (laughs) this is one of those things because fan tracks had him buried. So you took you took advantage of the system at that point a little bit. But regardless, my point is, is that's how much he's gone. And then my last few drafts of the season, he was going in the top one hundred and fifty, roughly top one hundred and sixty. And even then, I still if he he could easily be top. My he could be one of those huge I, top 50 isn't out of, out of the range of possibilities for this guy i'm no, not, not saying at all gonna, i'm not saying it's gonna happen but i'm just saying that a lot of these numbers kind of line up with 2017 so uh i'm, I'm kind of getting my hopes up a little bit like you said small sample size but even if we regress him slightly below the 2017 outcome you're still getting one heck of a ball player considering where you got him too yeah and that's that's what i was saying usually early season i don't even look at their batting average or anything i'm looking at the peripherals and usually i'm only looking at guys like i'm looking at if yandy diaz has fixed something with his swing stuff like that stuff that i look at the peripherals and if they've improved something i then try and figure out if they've done something to improve that to see if it's going to sustain and the peripherals on santana are just absolutely outstanding uh like clearly he will be a top 10 (laughs) <laughs> maybe like top 10 player if these peripherals stay the way they are but i don't think they will either do i um, I'm, not, I'm not ignorant i'm just hopeful yeah <laughs> yeah like a 49 percent line drive rate that's not sustainable <laughs> oh i wish i think it was like 20 like 20 percent's elite <laughs> so or 20 percent's average like or 20, 20 25 is that's usually, okay yeah and then that's uh what i was looking for thank you he's got a 27 percent over his career so that's why his bat bit's always so high. So, um, and I don't think I haven't looked at long. I honestly didn't look at his launch angle. If anything changed there, if he's still, I mean, that's not like a hard pull up. My point is, is that I don't think there's anything really different in his game from this year to 2017. So, I think I he th- could be better than 2017. He could be, but I always I like to be, I like to play pessimistic. So let's like I say, even if we drop it, even if we see the regression coming to a, a slightly lesser version of 2017. You're never. You're not going to complain, is what I'm getting at when it comes to Domingo Santana. So he's been one of those standouts, and the Mariners as a whole, man. I mean, besides their besides their uh, relief pitching, everything else has been pretty solid. I mean, the relief pitchers can't either stay healthy or can't uh, or just they just give up so many runs. But I think the Mariners are just surprising right now. Their offense is just smacking the ball. It's ridiculous. 
yeah tr- tell me about it i was i remember uh, i think it was the second yeah the second day um of the season when uh Ivaldi pitched i was like having such a good day Voight started off with a home run. Robbie Cano started off with a home run. I was so excited. And I was like, my pitchers were doing well. I was like, oh, man. I was like, I'm ready to go. I was like, all right, I'm going to turn on this Boston game. I'm ready to see Eovaldi, like, go off. And that did not happen. He gave up, like, 10 runs or something stupid. And I was – they 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 ruined the rest of my night for me. Like, seriously, my night was ruined. I was just sitting there contemplating life after that. Man, we, it, it really is disheartening when you put in so much work in the offseason and you have so much data to back it up. And then the small sample size comes in the first, called beginning of the year. You know, slumps happen. People slump. I mean, people might just have their slumps early. And this stuff, it's disheartening. It really is because you come in expecting the world and really confident in what you've come up with as far as, like, analysis. And then you get hit in the face. Like, I don't know about you. I was – I still am. I'm still not a believer in, in Mondesi. I'm not a Mondesi guy. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I think he's good, but I don't think he's going to be um, top 50 player, which also I don't use the regular player rater to base players because our player rater is currently flawed in that we take everyone that's played baseball and put them in the player rater when really, like, if you got one plate appearance in the majors – and you're like an infielder, you're going to be put in the player rater. And of mm. course, of course, Mike Trout's better than that guy. But that guy's not starting your team. We need to try and figure out who, like, you're. We need for a real player rater. You need to know roster size. You need to know uh, the amount of teams, and then you get a number of how many players are likely going to be start. And then you figure out which players are starting on the roster. Take those players and use those numbers. Because really, the current player rater, the, what it does is it gives players like a Billy Hamilton or a Joey Gallo that get one category and load up in one category, it boosts them up a lot higher than they should be, if that makes sense. Because they're being compared with players with zero home runs and zero stolen bases with only one plate appearance. Oh, I get it. What player rater is this that you're talking about? Uh, it's one – well – it's mine. I, oh, the one. Okay, it, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, just, I wanted to give it. I wanted to give you credit, or at least maybe suggest. I wasn't sure if because uh, you just brought it up, and I wasn't really familiar with it, to be honest. Yeah, no, I got, I got that. Um, I also have a projection system based on Statcast data, but none of it's to the public right now. I got to work out some things and. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in school right now for computer science for that reason to build them because I got to go a little bit farther, and to do that, I got to know more about programming but hey don't forget the little people when you make it bigger right man (laughs) next you could be the next cardi man i'll I'll have you on i'll 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 be down with that Um, trust me me, man hey honestly like you're this is going great i'm I'm really enjoying myself in this this conversation because it's i like like mixing up because you're a little more deeper in the analytics than i am so i'm stepping my game up to try to keep up with you a little bit and but at the same time I've, i've liked how we've kind of brought it to where it's under I think it's pretty under like you can understand it pretty clearly and I think we've done a good a good job explaining it to some people that might not be so into it so if it's cool with you man I'm gonna have you on more often going forward but that's again I'm, I'm good at digressing I'm good at getting off topic a little bit uh I've really enjoyed this so far so let's just keep it rolling but yeah I'm, I'm definitely gonna keep you in mind especially once you get the stuff rolling man we'll uh we'll definitely we'll keep you around and let you come talk about it and we'll compare yours to others and see what's going on with it man i like it i like it yeah i'm perfectly fine with that because uh <laughs> he's I mean he's did the podcast but 
he has kids and he's a teacher and he's got other stuff wife so usually he can't podcast that often so my wife i don't know how my wife does it man i i'm married i have three kids <laughs> she's out there watching Grey's anatomy and hanging out with the kids right now as we speak while i'm doing this so i get heat i get heat struggle my wife's just been way more supportive than most so i'm very yeah. fortunate but now we're really off topic now people know way more about me than they care um, <laughs> but going back to modesty i'm just oh unless you want to go back to you i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you with your thought process on your uh on where you were going with it no, but I mean, that, that's it. That's why I think, I think the player Raider right now is going to overrate Mondesi a little bit at season's end. He's a good player. Um, he'll, I think he'll be top 100, but he was being taken in like, I, I think I saw him taken in like the second round in one league. I saw early third was the earliest I saw him go. Man, I, I legitimately got into like a Twitter debate with Scott White of all people. Scott White's huge on him. Yeah. And I didn't realize I was going to get into this. Like, it was a very respectful debate. I come, first of all, I come at you on Twitter. It's usually respectful. And I try to be super, because I'm just like, it's an industry thing. I'm trying to just be really, I'm trying to get into the industry. I'm trying to make friends and have fun. And I think it's a lot of fun to talk baseball and, tw- and debate Twitter. And right now he's looking really right. But I'm looking at these stats. Like, th- I know it's not updated on fan graphs right now, but he has a second home run today. But he's just he's it's ridiculous. A three eighty two Babbit, which is like a career high by far, other than his minor league stats. But three eighty two Babbit, a walk rate of two percent. He so he's walked once in fifty at bats essentially. His average he has a three oh four, three thirteen, and five eighty three triple slash. Now like and then like the the stuff that really blew my mind. He has a he has a um an O swing of forty eight point two percent and a swinging strike rate of seventeen percent. I don't get how he's – why are pitchers throwing him balls in the strike zone? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he doesn't I, walk. He swings at everything outside the zone, and he swings in general a ton. I was uh, actually thinking about him today in the bathroom for strange <laughs> reasons, but um, I was thinking about it. I was like, Mondesi is possibly the highest floor, lowest floor player we have in fantasy baseball or in baseball in general because – Usually, guys that are very aggressive that chase the ball out of the zone a lot, their soft contact rate and their hard contact rate usually have a smaller disparity than someone with like average to above average um, play discipline, which makes sense because if you make contact with a ball out of the zone, you're probably not going to make hard contact. And uh, also, players with a lot of swing and miss that have uh, that hit the ball hard also have uh, a high disparity too. Like Domingo Santana, he has, or maybe not this season, but he had a lot of uh, swing and miss and he hit the ball hard. He lined the ball. So his batting average really depended on his bat and his home run. And if it dep- he would have to like 2017, he outdid his peripherals last season. He un- underdid his peripherals and that's just how it was last season. And also the speed the thing when you look at X batting average on StatCast, it doesn't factor in speed. And speed will obviously help your bat bip on close plays. And so, like, there's so many things with Mondesi that, like, just make his floor and ceiling just astronomical. And uh, he could. He could be the <sighs> top 20 player, but he could also be outside the top 200. It's very interesting, I think. It's just making me look really bad when he starts off this hot and his peripherals don't back it up at all. 
it's really fr- and it's aggravating because I really believe in those numbers. And I think it just goes to show you there's always – I mean, Archer was a great example of somebody who's always – like his ERA was always worse than his XFIP and FIP, I believe, or it might be the other way around. I know he's one of those guys that constantly out – kind of just, just doesn't ma- match up with his peripherals to a point. And if Mondesi – I mean, Javier Baez, another guy who's kind of – it's a comp that Baez, a little more power, a little less speed, but similar as far as, you know – He's very aggressive at the plate, chases a ton. But I watched I watched the game the other day. He literally threw his bat at a ball. I watched it live, and he got Bias. a base hit. Yes. Yeah. I watched yeah. that base hit happen. I'm like, you can't make that up. And that happens, and that's baseball. And that's what that's the beauty of it. It's fun. But it is aggravating because Montessi was on my bus list, and I'm still holding to it because all these numbers scream regression. He's also faced teams like the White Sox, the Twins, the the Tigers, the Mariners, like he's facing bad pitching as well. So there's guys leaving, you know, leaving hanging, leaving, leaving hanging pitches in the zone maybe, or just, I don't, I just, again, I don't understand. He has no lineup protection. Let him show, let him show you he, he can take a walk. I, I, that's, that's why I would, if I was a pitcher, let him show me he's not going to chase my pitches outside the zone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm aggravated. I think I'm a little more aggravated. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe I'm not seeing it. Maybe pitchers are doing that. And maybe because he does have such a high swing, uh, such, such, such a high O swing, maybe he's making some soft contact. And he he is getting, you know, infield singles because, again, speed factors into it, even though it doesn't show it on expected batting average on, on StatCast data. He's so fast that he could beat out a lot of these soft con- – so the higher his soft contact is, is better for him probably because he could beat out those ground balls. Yeah. But regardless, I'm really just aggravated with this guy. He's smacking, and he has a 92% Z contact. So obviously, if you throw it in the zone, he's hitting it. Like if he swings at it in the zone, he's smacking it right now. So I don't know, man. He's just—he's making me look bad. He's the one guy I harped on. I've argued with multiple times, multiple people, man. I just—I—I I, I don't know. <laughs> but it's aggravating. I had to bring him up. Well, you're good. At least you didn't say Chris Davis was being overdrafted. And asking Chris Davis, I mean K, not. I'm waiting for that to stop being a thing because if anybody mistakes the two at this point, that's ridiculous. There was like what one season, maybe two, where that was kind of a thing. Yeah, but, but. I thought I didn't think he'd be bad, but I thought his power would regress a little bit because usually guys with his pull rate don't sustain. <laughs> like when I ran the numbers through my projection system, he had like he had 48. I think it was like. Over the same amount of play appearances, it was like supposed to be like 40, 41, or 39 or something. So um, he had he had one of the highest expected home runs to um, actual home runs differences, I believe. And and now and now he's so he's your version of Mondesi because you were probably fading him, uh, recommending going against him, and now he's just he hit four home runs the last like two games. So <laughs> he's like he's. His now his poll rate is fifty two point two percent, and that will help him a lot. Um, because balls that are pulled have like it's about double the percentage of chance being a home run than a ball pulled awful or to center, um, with the same exit velocity and launch angle. I don't know exactly why, because if a ball has the same velocity and same launch angle, and oppo and pull, they're basically going the same direction usually mm-hmm. um but they are it's a difference i'm i think it might be because oppo home runs like a pulled home run is closer to the foul pole while oppo home runs they might be closer to center field because of how a swing is but it's interesting it's something i'll probably do research on this next 
off season. For sure. Well, you know, that's some of our standouts. Now, I the season's still early. I am kind of curious. First of all, you you are in TGFBI, right? Yes. How how's that going? Have you have you have you kept up with that a little bit? And uh, I have NFBC pulled up, so um, I'll pull I'll pull up my team right now. Um, like, how am I doing? Or yeah, I mean, because I know it's kind of a, I I know it's kind of like a hot topic. I I do listen to other podcasts, and a lot of people do talk about their teams. I wasn't sure if you want to talk about yours a little bit. I think I'm doing okay. I'm like in the middle or something. Um, I am a guy, as I said, that I believe in skill over playing time. And every year I start off to a really slow start because first off, like I had Daniel Volgobach starting for me in corner infield and TGFBI for a while. And then I actually dropped him because I was like, oh, well, I guess they're not going to give him playing time. And then he did well, so then I had to repick him up. But um, you, got him ba- you got him back. That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I only I dropped him, I think, in all three leagues and I only missed him, didn't get him back in one. And he had like a fab of like 80 and I was like, I'm good. <laughs> you don't really regret it when you see someone blow their whole uh, fat. Was it out of a hundred? Uh, a thousand, of- but I don't even want to spend ten percent of my fab on. I I got I'd like Peter O'Brien. I, I was fine. Uh, I'm, I, I was I was I was on the O'Brien train for my deeper leagues too. So I just it's a little upsetting that he's he's struggling like he is. Yeah, I mean it's he was a deep yeah. flyer though, man. I still have faith in him. He he's his. He's going to struggle. It's to be expected. Usually these low contact guys will have really good runs and really bad runs. And it's just because they don't make very good contact. But he had a 50% hard contact rate last season. His ex-batting average was better than Aaron Judge's in his small sample size. I mean, this guy's power. He, he might be a top, top five raw power guy. His, if He seems to have made an adjustment to where his line drive rate um, – throughout the minors last season and the majors was like above 20% except for his small stop in double a, but this guy, if he has that line drive, right, he has that raw power. This guy's going to have close to like an Aaron judge, Domingo Santana, Batbit, and he could be a 250 hitter, 40 home runs, but the peripherals will most likely have to stay around the same and he can't regress peripherally. Which is tough to do when you get to the major leagues, honestly. Yeah. So but we'll he, see. In the majors, in his 74 plate appearances, he had a 29% line drive rate. There you go. <laughs> it's But, again, he was such a deep uh, grab that he's not the type of guy that's going to hurt you if he, if he doesn't work out. But if he works out, it's a huge boost. So maybe an eye to keep up. Maybe an eye. Uh, an eye. Maybe an, a guy to keep an eye on. in your Because he's probably available. In, he's still available in some deeper leagues for sure, especially if you do have waiver wire and – like Drafting holds, obviously, like I have them. I'm, I'm married to them regardless of what happens. But some deeper leagues do have – like I play in some deeper dynasties and I grabbed them off the waiver wire right right when I uh, hit you up on Twitter, actually, that he got called up. I went and grabbed him in a couple of my deeper uh, dynasty leagues that he was still available in for whatever yeah. reason. Thank you for that, by the way, because <laughs> I did not know that. And Fab was just about to be processed, so I quickly went in Fab and got him. And I play with uh, – I play in a league with – do you know Vlad Sedler? Yes. Um, yeah, I he's in one of the NFBC leagues. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, he's going to uh he's gonna outbid me because I know he's a big supporter of O'Brien too. And I saw zero bids for O'Brien. I was like, that's weird. And I was I hit him up. I was like, Vlad, I'm surprised you didn't hit him. He, uh 
since he got called up, he goes, what? He got called up. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, thank you, Mike. <laughs> it just, dude, it works out that, um, I, you know, everybody has a couple of apps that just you know, score updates on, on your phone, tw- on your iPad, whatever. And I was all, and I happened to have my phone on me, which is by the way, it's like my, like, I have my phone glued to my hand at all times. So if my phone's on the charger, I have my iPad. So I just, like I said, I got the update and I thought of you cause I know you were touting them pretty good. Um, I, I don't know if I maybe heard one of your podcasts or if I just read some of your stuff. I just remember O'Brien being one of your guys, and which, by the way, I, I do like I do like what you prov- uh, put out there. So keep up the good work on that. But uh, anyways, is there any, so I mean we talked some early season breakouts. Now I wanted to get now O'Brien's one of your guys, but you're a sleeper guy. Some not everybody plays in deep enough leagues to some for some of your sleepers. Is there anybody maybe you want to talk up a little bit, and then we'll let you get out of here. Yeah. Um, Some of the guys that maybe you were – actually, you know, in general, before, before – you don't have to dive deep into them. You, you trust skill over playing time. In general, some of the, who were just some of your guys? We'll go into some of your sleepers a little bit. I'll let you break those guys down more. But just in general, coming into the year, I know drafts are already done, but you're, you, obviously you put a lot of thought in working in who, do you, in who you like. So maybe it'll help people feel a little better if some, some of the guys that you're about to talk up are struggling. So, I mean, I don't know – again, I don't know any of your guys. I'm just going to let you – kind of just discuss a couple of them, like some of your guys that you've made sure to get in a lot of your leagues. Yeah. So um, Peter O'Brien and Vogelbach are, well, I had Vogelbach on all three of my teams, except now I have him on two. Uh, <laughs> O'Brien's on all of my teams. Um, I really like their power. I mean, people, Vogelbach's been working on his power through the past three years in the Myers, and he's been working on hitting it more. And last season he had a 50% hard contact rate, which is Aaron Judge-like. That's, something that cannot be ignored i also uh pablo reyes i find him interesting he was he's got like he's got speed and he wasn't a really well-known prospect coming up to the pirates organization but in small sample size again this is to be (laughs) noted but he had close to a 50 percent hard contact rate in the major leagues and like i think it was like 60 something 70 batted ball events so it, it 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 caught my eye. He doesn't look like a power hitter at the plate, but for a guy with an ADP of, I think it was like seven or 800, I don't see the risk in taking a shot at him. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at some of his stats, and before he hit the majors, his walk rates and carries were actually really solid. I guess he's probably got, I'm going to just assume by looking at their carry, you know, when you see those rates change, you could tell he probably just got a little more aggressive. Because his carry rate did take a jump in 2018 in AAA, and into 2018 to the pros, it jumped a little bit from like you know 14, 10ish, up to 17.8, and the walk rate dropped from 10 to 8 to 7, and it's in 7.9. So, I just I'm just assuming there's a little more Pablo Reyes I'm talking about. I'm I'm guessing that's part of it. I mean, his uh he just got maybe a little more aggressive at the plate. That's one thing I could think of that would cause, or just the major league pitching because someone's uh, walk rate to decrease. And carry to go up. That's part of what goes through my head. Yeah, he's he's so. one of those guys. When we were talking about Aaron Meadows, he joins that group of like Austin Jose. Rem- yeah, of Jose Sorry. Ramirez. You're good. Of Jose Ramirez and uh, Mookie Betts, of a guy that has good plate discipline, but mm-hmm. he's not well known. People don't see him as a power hitter and stuff, so they'll gotcha. throw in the zone a lot to him. So as if he does well and starts to become a more feared hitter, then he will have a higher walk rate because that, I mean, his chase rate in the major leagues right now is 
23.6% over his career, over 76 plate appearances. And that's, that's almost elite. He needs, he needs opportunity. It looks like I'm just, again, I I was, I'm not gonna lie to you. I wasn't relatively hip to this guy. I've heard of him, but I really didn't look into him because again, you mentioned his ADP being so far out. So I knew the name I've seen him in, you know, being drafted in drafting holds and such. So, but I'm just looking at him. It's just, it's lack of opportunity and it's weird. The pirates, they're playing Melky Cabrera over him. I'm so yeah, mad. I, I don't get it. Mel, they're not. Oh, the Pirates are doing better than I expected. I think last time I checked, but it's just it's not it's not a move I expect. And then of course with Polanco coming back, that's going to muddy the water a little more. So yeah, and they also said that they'd be okay with playing him at second and short, where he played in the minors. But then they put Eric Gonzalez above him, which that I also don't understand. No, why. I don't get it because <laughs> like these numbers. I mean, just in 2017 in Double A, 10 home runs, 21 stolen bases, and and with a 10 point with a 10 percent walk a 10.6 percent walk rate, a 14.5 percent K rate. You're looking at a guy with solid, uh, bat, uh, so, solid. Just without even looking at the peripherals, you could tell that he has a solid eye. You could tell that he's patient and he has a power speed combo. Oh, sorry, and in single A, 12 home runs and 27 stolen bases. I can understand the excitement and the upside with this guy. So. Yeah. And but yes, yeah, now it's, I'm now I'm a little frustrated. Thanks for that because I don't see why Eric Gonzalez, <laughs> unless it's unless it's truly a fielding difference, unless he's that bad at, at shortstop or something. But was it Eric Gonzalez? Somebody who was oh Newman the other day that had three or four errors in one inning, causing Tyone to like lose. Maybe he was pulled after the second inning because he had like Newman had like three or four errors in the field. You're gonna tell me he can't get an opportunity over Newman? <laughs> like that's I, that's the type of stuff that aggravates me. Yeah, it, some of these clubs, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's like the Cardinals playing Fowler over O'Neill and Martinez. That's that's monetary, man. He's still being paid huge money. I don't care what he's being paid. I'm I'm with you. So bad. <laughs> Tyler O'Neill was on my deep sleepers list. He he had ADP out outside the top 400, so I consider those deeper sleepers because now obviously deep sleepers. My deepest one was uh, Oscar Mercado. I'm a big Mercado guy, but. I, I look at – because most leagues, a deep sleeper, somebody going outside the top 400. So I try to cater to majority of people, you know. Yeah. So he was a part of my deep sleepers list, and I was all over O'Neal, and it's I've, I've dropped him in leagues because I play in 12-teamers, obviously. But 15-teamers, he's not – I wouldn't drop him there because he's going to get that. It's a matter of a win, not if, because that team's trying to compete. He, you got to think him or Martinez got to get that spot. Yeah, my, my deepest sleeper wasn't even in the player pool in most leagues. <laughs> Um, and, Dil- and Dylan Moore. I, 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 I said something. I was like, I'm trying to draft him, but I can't because he's not even available. Um, because, as I said, he had a similar season in the minor leagues to Nixon Zell. Not saying he's going to be better than Nixon Zell, but it's very interesting. And the most interesting thing about him is the fact that the Mariners signed him to a major league contract when he hadn't played a game in the majors. They could have signed him to a minor league contract. So it seems like Jerry DePoto has so much faith in this guy that he said, we're just going to pay you major league money. But yeah, I, and I wasn't, again, you're dropping some names that I've heard of, but I wasn't really hip to because I, to be completely honest, I'm new to the, uh, I'm a new analyst. I just got into it February of this year, as far as producing content, as far as hosting a, hosting a podcast. And I've been fortunate. I found a couple of good guys and Zach and George that my usual, my usual co-hosts, but if you want to come on every so often and be a, be a guest host, we're fine. We don't mind having more people. The more the merrier for us. We love it. But And it's awesome because, like, I, I, talking to people like you, I just, I just learn more. And I'm not afraid to admit it because I'm still growing as an analyst. I've hit you up on – I've DM'd you about asking you just where you get some of your stuff just to make sure I'm getting my information right because I'm still learning. And 
I, I appreciate you dropping these little tidbits because now I'm looking for like now I'm gonna go on my dynasty leagues and look for a Dylan Moore, a Dylan Moore and stuff. And <laughs> like I, again, I've heard the name. I know, and I've probably seen him in the box score. But I really wasn't, you know, I didn't really know him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that because I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be looking for him today because I feel like I do feel pretty confident in my knowledge. I feel pretty confident in my analysis and where I get my where I get my info and how I and how I uh, implement it and apply it. But I'm n- I'm never too good to not learn, and I I I just I'm I'm I don't know, man. I'm, I guess I'm trying to say I'm I'm pretty humble, and I'm not. So, regardless, no, I, I feel the same way. I understand a lot of the analytics, and this someone asked me why I don't cover fantasy football and other sports, and I said it's a lot of work. There's, man. there's so much stuff to learn in baseball, and that you can't you can't learn it all. Um, and like I've under I've spent a lot of time looking at these analytics and stuff, and I still don't know probably ten percent of what there is to learn in baseball. I subscribe to the Drive Line. I try and watch their videos, see, learn more about pitching. And um, Derek Johnson's book is a really good book if you want to learn about pitching. There's so much to learn, and that's what when people say talk about ESPN, I said their problem is they get these guys that they try and talk about six different sports, and really in reality. You should only have one guy to talk about one sport because to be an analyst, I think you can only talk about one sport because there's so much to know. Yeah. And I honestly, I, I came into this, like, first of all, I didn't realize how much work in general it is to just host a podcast and run one period editing. And like, the, I, and I, I don't get paid for these. Uh, I do this for free, just like probably you do. And most people do. Yeah. I don't get paid for my content. That would be the ultimate goal, obviously, as far as like sponsorships. I don't think I'd ever sell. I don't know. I, I can't really call it a sellout because these guys do it for a living as far as going to the athletic. But I don't know if I'd ever, you know, I don't think, that, first of all, I don't know if I'd ever be that good, whatever you want to call it. But regardless, like I don't, I do it for free. It's just fun for me. But man, it's a lot of work. It's legitimate time and effort that goes into this. Doing two sports, it, that's a full-time gig, man. I couldn't, I couldn't commit to two sports. I didn't realize that until I started getting into baseball. Yeah, it's uh... – and I don't even put out that many articles, but the time I spend, I try and research more than I put up articles to give mm-hmm. accurate data. I mean, I've, the time I've spent researching is, I don't even know how many months I could get back. Um, yeah. And I, again, I'm just like, I'm new to this. I've been doing this since February and like one, one episode people, I, and I'm not saying like, Oh my God, you should be grateful for what I'm doing. But like one episode of a podcast, like we, we we're going to be done with recording. I'm going to be doing what, four to five hours of editing probably honestly yeah. well maybe yeah, not. this one's been pretty smooth so it won't be as much but i still have to listen through cut some parts out and i mean because it's just little things like i'll mess up intros and stuff and <laughs> yeah no i completely understand like an article when you write an article it, yeah it might be like only a thousand words but that article probably took day two maybe even three to write because you had to do all the research you and really in reality it took more before that you probably did the research on the players and then you got the names um it's interesting. I try and do little interesting things every once in a while. Um, yeah. Um, ultimately, like, do you have a long-term goal as far as like, I know you produce content for fake teams and all that SB nations, fake teams, but I wasn't sure if like, obviously you're still coming up. I, I, I can see a long-term goal as far as coming up with your own projection system and kind of going that route. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't know. Um, my goal <laughs> is to do something in baseball. Um, I will, after I work with my computer science and I'll probably have to, uh, I'll put some money into it myself. I'll probably have to hire another, um, programmer with me to help me and we'll, I'll probably hopefully in the next 
two, three years, make the projection system and uh, the player rater and all that stuff. I'll make it public. And uh, I don't know exactly where it's going to end up. Um, I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by professional athletes and people in the sports industry. So I've gotten to learn a lot more than probably most people. And that's awesome. Really the main thing I always walk around with too, is that these players are just normal dudes. Like we hold oh, them yeah. to high such standards, but they're, they're, they're just dudes. And at the end of the day, <laughs> and it's, that's, it's been nice to learn. Um, interesting stuff uh and there's there's stuff that i kind of get inside information uh a little bit with um i, like, I need to i need to i need to how long you how long have you been at this? how long have you been doing this at, uh for writing and in, in general how long have you been in this kind of i guess in the industry so to speak my first article was my first article i the first guy I ever wrote about which mitch hanniger right before his rookie campaign so that was that 2017 i'm just asking because it sounds like in such a short amount of time or like you say you just happen to be i don't know if it's by happenstance or networking but i feel like you're pretty ahead of the game for somebody who's only been in the industry for two years is it just because you've been lucky enough to fall into it or is it just through networking i'm asking for me as well because i'm trying to get to that level as well i'm trying to constantly grow my brand constantly do something because honestly again i like just like you i don't really have an end game but i do have a goal to be one of those i want, I want people to come to me and i want to be one of those analysts that are is respected within the industry not necessarily a go-to analyst for every fantasy baseball person but i would like to be you know kind of May have my name somewhat known like the, the biggest thing i've done as far as like an analyst would as far as mainstream goes i, I happen to get in on a uh on a mock draft with uh cbs yeah it's uh Stuff like that so um i mean i've only been doing this two years it's a little bit i just kind of i hit up pete rogers from fake teams asked him if he needed some writers i put out a little bit of articles he liked them asked me to join um so that was how I got started. And actually the reason I did that was Michael, one of Michael Fulmer's res uh, relatives. Hmm. Uh, they're great. They, his cousin uh, has been a great childhood friend since kindergarten. So, oh, small world type of thing. Yeah. So we were just doing <laughs> awesome. a fancy baseball draft and I've always since a young age been like when I was in the third grade, my dad and I would uh, go, we averaged like 50 minor league games a year. Um, I knew all the minor league guys, so yeah, I, I'm here in Nashville, so I got to watch Ryan Braun. I got to watch Nelson Cruz and Prince Fielder when they're in the minors, and um, a lot of those guys, I got to know them over the years. Um, they, We knew each other by name. It was just really nice, and you got to see the minor league experience, which the minor league experience, by the way, if you guys haven't read Emily Walden's uh, article, sucks. Being a minor leaguer in today's game is absolutely oh, terrible. Dude, it's it's yeah, you're making nothing, pennies. And that's why I think I think these you know what this kind of transitions into that contracts that we were talking about. That's yeah. why that's why you have these guys signing these deals. Not because they, they think that they're worth they know they're worth more. They're taking the money they can get because they need it probably that bad. Because all these guys come from third world countries. All these guys come from really bad situations where $1 million is life-changing. So you give them $35 million guaranteed over seven years. Or if it's, I don't even know if it's all guaranteed. But you give them, you know what I mean? It sounds like nothing. But to these guys, that is life-changing. Like their parents, their family, wherever it is, better situations. Because these guys, not only were, have they been living in almost – actually, they've probably been living in poverty-like situations for the last few years in, in the minor leagues. 
their yeah. families probably living their families live in just as bad situations most of the time. It's not yeah. worse. And talking to these guys like Steve Moss, he played at Huntsville. He's a Double A guy. Um, we were talking to his parents, and he had to live at home during the off season because he didn't make money to pay yeah. bills and stuff. And it's it's really sad what minor league baseball has done with these guys. Um, they uh, some of the stuff like you hear, and even the ballparks they're in, like Tacoma. Uh, back when Tacoma was a minor league park, uh, they the apparently would flood every night, and these players would literally just like walk through a flooded clubhouse, basically, and the how they live and stuff it, it's terrible what they've done to them and they should be getting paid more i think it's someone said like to pay every minor league player like fifty thousand dollars a year which costs like two million dollars so david price maybe instead of david price making 31 million he can make 29 and then we can pay the minor league guys a living wage um exactly uh, these owners, they they have the money. Man, these the Marlins sold for one point two billion or something ridiculous like that. So I mean, if that's what the Marlins are going for, obviously the money's in. The, there's money in the league. Yeah. Uh, real quick, since we're doing this while the your beloved Evaldi just pitched. Uh, yeah. Oh God. I'm gonna give you the line real quick. Evaldi five. Oh. Eight. God. <laughs> Oh no! Yay! Five earned runs, four walks, four Ks. Oh, no. Only six hits, so they must have all been home runs, basically. <laughs> In the third inning, it was one inning, one bad inning. Has he been taken out? Yeah, he he was out after he he actually pitched after the bad inning and got through it. So he had one bad inning. So that's encouraging. All five runs came in one inning. <laughs> I I started him too. It was, it was Toronto, man. One of the worst teams in the league right now. I, I really don't. I really don't want to drop him, but now I have to consider it because I was like, let me see how he does against Toronto or Baltimore, and if he does bad against them, there I should probably drop him. And oh god, All right. uh, you know what? Maybe I, I kind of feel bad, so I think I should let you go on that note. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, though, man, hey, I really do appreciate you joining me. I, we're running a little long. I hope the guys I – mean, no, honestly, I don't normally get into, like, the getting to know people, maybe talking to them like this on a podcast, but I like the information you brought. It's a little different. Obviously, it wasn't all fantasy-related, but I hope, I hope the listeners enjoyed it. Tell them where they can follow you again. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. You're good. At Joe Gentile FT on Twitter. And uh, to your last question, yeah, if anyone wants to get in the industry, I would just say start, start writing. I, I just I just I got lucky, man. I found I um it's a smaller network than fake teams, but it was FSGN. Blake Sullivan, I don't know if you've heard of him or talked to him ever. He he's a he works on the football side of things. It's actually his website and he brought me on. Has been nothing but helpful and awesome. And we're actually looking for we're looking for writers. I keep mentioning that on every episode. I put it on Twitter. We're looking for fantasy baseball and fantasy football writers. So again, if anybody wants it's it's you have like most people in the industry Definitely on the baseball side of things, very welcoming, very, very uh, willing to help you out, man. I mean, I, I'd never met Joe. I've just talked to him once or twice on Twitter, and we're doing a podcast together, and it's, it flowed like we've done this for years together because it's just the type of the type of vibe you get from most of these guys. Just don't be afraid to put yourself out there. It took me it took me a couple episodes to really get comfortable. It took me a, about a month to really get the you know get moving and not be almost embarrassed about doing this for fun. Like, yeah. lack of a, for lack of a better term, it's a little embarrassing because you have to get out of your comfort zone. You're putting yourself out there for judgment, for Twitter trolls, for all that good stuff. So, um, but yeah, than, this this industry is great. Justin Mason is one of the nicest guys in this industry. Oh, um, 
Yeah, I've reached out to him about writing initially too. And I just, writing is not my strength. I'm just, I'm actually writing, but I am writing an article. It's going to come out tomorrow probably. It's a, it's actually a buy low, sell high article. Cause dude, you'd be, again, for some, most people I know aren't, aren't that aren't into like, aren't trading it. But I saw green, we're talking Shane Green get traded for Kershaw a week ago in my league. I'm not exaggerating. Maybe four or five days ago. Already. Yeah, that's the type of league. Like, so my point is, is people are buying buying high, selling. People are selling high, buying low. People are do it happens already. People are legitimately worried. That was a terrible trade, but this guy, this is a league of mine I've been in for years, and this guy, every year we target him for these types of trades. So it didn't surprise me, but it really upset me. And we don't veto trades. I don't allow vetoes. But that's a whole other discussion, though. But anyways, man, I'm going to let you go. It's really It was a blast. I really enjoyed this, and I hope to have you on again, man. Yeah, uh, I'd love to do it. I'll end on this note. How about this note? Uh-oh. I don't know if it's correct, but apparently the Blue Jays just tweeted Rowdy Tellez just hit a 505-foot home run. So if that's true, that makes me feel a little bit better because I own him in all my oh. leagues. So. Was it was it off of Yavaldi? Oh God! Why? <laughs> why do you have to mention that? It was off Yavaldi, but oh, I want to hit another one because the last one I saw, the one I see on this app I'm looking at, it was 426 feet off Yavaldi. Or yeah, okay, that's so. That be a different one. <laughs> but either way, at least that's that's a positive note. At least I had to Les. Uh, I, I'm, I mean, I wish we got to a few more of your guys, but we did run long and we got into it. We try to give some guys a little bit of the inside information on how like to get into this type of thing. And I think that's helpful too, in its own sense. So there's some fantasy talk. There's some real life stuff. I, I like it. It's a little, again, it's a little different than what I do, but it's okay. It's okay if it'd be different once in a while. I did give you a shout out on Twitter. So you'll see that when we got this, that when we get when I finally shut up and stop talking, you'll be able to go on Twitter and see that. But yeah, I, I saw forget. that. Thank you for that. No, my pleasure, man. You uh, you really do deserve it. You know your stuff, and I and I recommend people give you a follow. So definitely, um, again, guys, thank you for uh, listening. This was episode what, 13. We've been throwing them out there at you pretty frequently. So uh, we'll talk to you soon. 